Well, welcome to Broadway. <laughs> it's great that you all are here. Uh, I'm excited to be here. Get a little Jimi Hendrix feedback there. Um, so it was interesting because when I drove here, I haven't been here in three years, and I lived here for six years. I was a resident here, and when I came back in, I realized how precious this place is to come into a place where there's silence and orderliness and uh, nobody's talking. <laughs> For some of us who are introverts, we kind of like that. Uh, I do like to communicate with people, but um, sometimes, I, I mean, I just have to have my downtime or my quiet time. So I'm excited about that. So you got to tell me your name again. Achilla. Achilla. Achilla? Yeah, actually, appreciate you. When he was reading that stuff off, I said, who's he talking about? That's a pretty cool dude. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so one of the things that, that I've learned and just in the last couple of days of, of contemplating uh, mudita or sympathetic joy is that one of the signs that, that there's a need for sympathetic joy is when we're not able to actually acknowledge our own accomplishments. That there's an, uh, it's ability, there's an ability for some of us to see the greatness in others but not see the greatness in ourselves. And I'm here to tell you that we all have greatness. In this tradition we call it Buddha nature. Everybody has it. And the Christian culture I grew up in, we call it Christ consciousness. In my book, I call it the, the, the masterpiece. And in the Hasidic tradition, they call it, um, forgetting to turn on the mic, I mean, forgetting to turn on the, the recorder, they, they call it um, the divine spark. So for me, I felt like it was really important because of the state of the, not just the United States, but the world. There's so much hate and there's so much divisiveness, so much tribalism, but so much uh, there's a entitlement to grieve and to, and to be really hostile. That's my sense of it, that, that it's a badge, you know, I don't want to wear a mask, you can't make me, or I have this, this neighbor of mine in one of my, where I do my office work, she's a nurse, and she tells me that Sometimes they get people in the hospital that are so violent that they're afraid for their safety. It's in a hospital because people feel like they have this need to, to do this. And I, I believe it's, it's tied into uh, this idea of this illusion of separateness, that we're all separate and that we're all uh, living by greed, hatred, and delusion. And here we're here to not do that. And so I want to keep it really simple tonight and talk about uh, appreciative joy of mudita and in, in my old age I, I really believe that that spirituality is really about simplicity keeping things really simple so i ask myself three questions about sympathetic joy what is it why is it important and how do you cultivate it are you all interested in stuff like that yeah. yes how many people here practice mudita Okay, and, and how do you, uh, if you don't mind me asking, how do you practice it? Is it a, is it a, a, 
is it a formal practice like like love and kindness and compassion or is it a way of being in the world could you just say yeah whoever said that yes Okay, you, when you say send it out, what do you mean? Uh, send it out, in other words, um, <clears throat> it's, it's hard for me to separate Mavija from, from uh, Metta. Yes, like, yes. Yes. So you made an interesting point because those, uh, what we call the Brahma Viharas, there's four of them, uh, there are practices to open the heart and to get beyond this illusion of separateness, but it's also, there are also concentration practices. So I'll, I'll mention them, and then uh, and the one we're talking about is Mudita, but the first one is loving kindness or metta what she was talking about, and that is just a practice of well-wishing, you know, may all beings be happy, peaceful, free from suffering. Uh, so that's, that's love and kindness. So you, you want, it's like kindness, but it's, it's like love. So for me, it's about loving everything. It's about just loving everyone. It's what Jesus talked about, you know, love your enemies, love everything. So, so love and kindness is about uh, individually hoping that everybody has happiness and wellness and well-being and compassion is is how to help alleviate the suffering in others and ourselves and so we we do the practice so when I practice compassion I use phrases like may I feel safe and protected may I be peaceful may I live with joy and ease and of course also the compassion is being able to, to open our hearts and feel the suffering of others which is really tricky without taking it on as our own. Have you ever noticed that? You ever had that challenge? I've had that challenge of how to, how to be in compassion with somebody but not to take on their suffering. And then the third one is a mudita, which is sympathetic joy. And I have to admit, before I got into this study, that, and that's the way I, can't, I tend to work if I want to learn something, I teach it. Um, so when I got into, before I got into this study, I saw... A mudita or appreciative joy as like say if you for instance if if you're a big basketball fan and you watch the finals and Boston lost a part of mudita would be because it's an antidote to envy and jealousy would be to celebrate <laughs> the you know the, the team that won you know the opposing team is not your team and that's when you really need it but that's really challenging right <laughs> but that's that's what I saw mudita is is being able to to celebrate with others, especially others you didn't like or just are not like you or let's just say that they're challenging. You know, you, it's even challenging to even kind of let them into your heart. So that's how I, I saw Mudita. And to be honest with you, I haven't seen, I haven't practiced much in the way that they're laying out here. So what I want to do is make it really simple and just go through some definitions of what Mudita are. Mudita is, and it's interesting because when I was giving Dharma talks 30 years ago, I didn't have Google. 
<laughs> so I had to rely on the library downstairs and other libraries. And so I thought it would be good. Uh, so there's, there's a couple of articles that I read. This one is called uh, Sympathetic Joy Mudita in the Theravadan, in Theravadan Buddhism. And it says, Sympathetic Joy is a positive quality of being able to share in the happiness of others and feel appreciation and joy when someone else is experiencing some happiness. So sympathetic joy is the positive quality of being able to share in the happiness of others and feel appreciation and joy when someone else is experiencing happiness. Is that something we do all the time? Is it something you're interested in doing? Yes, I would tell you for myself, because I'm, I'm going through a situation where I, I was working with an organization that I thought was, was uh, had integrity and, and was honest, and then they threw me a curveball. And it's been really challenging. And so I realized that there's no accident that I'm talking about mudita or appreciative joy tonight. Because one of the things that it does and one of the things that, that gets in the way of us experiencing it is envy and jealousy. And so even if we're on the, on the receiving end, because it's my experience when, when people are in fear and we can be in fear or we can be in love. When we're in fear, we're in, we're on, we're in survival mode. And so there's scarcity and everybody looks like the enemy. And so it's important for me to be able to look at people who are not treating me kindly or respectfully and to be able to look at them and not let them take me out of my, my peace and my compassion, my loving kindness and my compassion and my joy, not to let them take me out because they're mistreating me. And so I have to have a way of understanding how do I keep my heart open? Because we talk about being open-minded, but how do we keep the heart open when it closes when it's being attacked? And so one of the, one of the things that these uh, sublime abodings or these Brahma Viharas do is they help us cultivate the heart in a way where we can get beyond the illusion of separateness, but we can also keep it open when it's closing down. And, and, and so for me, when I think of mudita, this idea of being able to share in the happiness of others and feel appreciation and joy when someone else is experiencing happiness. And I said that about myself, that I realized that even though I appreciate it, and part of that might be my upbringing of wanting to be humble and not wanting to be self-centered or even narcissistic. But the fact of the matter is, I could enjoy my happiness a little bit more. I don't know about you folks. But it's like I read that stuff and say, okay, so that kind of doesn't sink in. You know, it's like, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, but. And I don't really take it in. And so there's definitely a need for me to have it. And you talked about being triggered. And that's when you, that's when you need it. But the interesting thing about these practices, if we can do them when we're not triggered, when we're triggered, it'll be an automatic response to what's happening rather than trying to do it by the seat of our pants. And so I think there was one more definition here I wanted to talk about. Um, Mudita is described as the inner wellspring of joy that is always available 
and all circumstances. Now, that's pretty powerful. Just think about that. Mudita is described as an inner wellspring of joy that is always available in all circumstances. So this is why the Buddha talked about developing this, this, this ability to do this. So what is mudita? It's a way of opening the heart and being able to celebrate the happiness of others and ourselves, regardless of who the person is. So it's inclusive. If not, you got to be in my tribe, you got to look like me, or you, you got to be downtrodden, you can't be the rich and famous. It's a way of relating and getting in touch with the feeling of, of uh, enjoying the happiness of others, sharing in the happiness of others. And you can see that the media is not really interested in that. Social media is not very interested in that, and that's why we need it, because they're focused on the opposite. And there's one definition here, in here, in, and it talks about the opposite of mudita is greed, and hatred, and delusion. It's envy, jealousy. It's, it's catching somebody doing something wrong and then condemning them for it. And that's what we do. And so we can get into this habit where we're not looking for the Buddha nature or the Christ consciousness or the goodness, looking at people with good qualities. And so this idea of, of cultivating this ability to keep the heart open and, and you know when you're there, when you can actually, somebody just kind of irritate or maybe you just tolerate them and they're happy and, and you're not, and you're able to at least feel a little bit of that happiness or if they're having a really bad time, you're not celebrating. Because we do that one too. Like the enemy, oh, they, they deserve that. You know, I hope they, I hope they suffer a lot. <laughs> I mean, anybody ever do that? I know I have. And so that is, and this is the interesting thing about, so how do you do it? So part of how you do it is just like we do metta and, and um, the other practices, like may you be happy, may your happiness grow. You know, I'm happy that you're happy. Something in the, in the realm of, of that that we need to really, you know, we, we can kind of do that. We, we have to really try to figure out how we can do that even more, not because we should, but because it keeps the heart open. Does that make sense? And so there were some phrases here that I wanted to share that this woman, uh, Yeah, I think it's really good, and, 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 me, and this is what I've been doing. I've been practicing all day, this process of how to do it, looking at people and seeing the greatness. But the main thing I do, and it's a practice that I've been doing, but I didn't know it was a practice that helped me with mudita or sympathetic, sympathetic joy, is a gratitude practice. There's a practice, even Shauna Kaur, in terms of the research of um, happiness advantage, Three new, if you can write down or say out loud three new things to be grateful for each day, you will be happy. That's simple. Three new things each day to be happy for. And I, I know from being in recovery, and I probably should mention that Saturday I celebrated 38 years of sobriety. And, um, and I remember... 38 years ago, that when somebody pissed me off, they told me to pray for the person. And, and I wanted to smack the person that said that. I said, what do you mean? They should be praying for me. 
But I discovered that by praying for them, they change. Never had a conversation with them. They change. And so I learned how to pray for folks that are irritant or, or trigger us. But I also learned that an attitude of gratitude was really helpful. And I've been doing that all along. But now I can see how I can connect it to Mudita, keeping the heart open. Because even with this situation that I've been experiencing, and not to get too far into it, but you know, you're dealing with somebody and everybody's telling you everything's okay, everything's great, then the next thing you hear, you know, it wasn't so great. And they weren't honest with you. And, you know, I got frustrated with, with that a little bit. But then I realized that why should I let somebody else's bad behavior affect me? That my job was to, was to find a way to keep my heart open to them and see them as somebody that's dealing with fear, doubt, and insecurity or dealing with envy or jealousy or just fear. And that when we're, when we're in that survival mode, we cause harm to ourselves and others. And, and, you know, common sense, um, being reasonable are not options most of the time. And so it forced me to go inside because I was suffering. And just to think about, okay, so how can I do this Mudita thing? So the gratitude. So the thing is, they are giving me an opportunity to, to look at my heart when it shuts down. They're giving me an opportunity to realize that, okay, George, you have to go inside and it's suffering. That's what the Buddha talks about, suffering and the end of suffering. So if I can open and see it and see, you know, why am I feeling the way am I, I, I'm feeling? Well, because I was just, uh, you know, there's no integrity there. And I can't trust them. They just violated my trust. I felt like I've been betrayed. But then at the same time, it's, it's like, okay, I've been betrayed, but I'm reacting to it. And so that's on me. It's an opportunity for me to look inside and to see how I can alleviate this suffering. Because I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't be here if my ass wasn't on fire from recovery and everything else. And so this is an opportunity for me to look at it and to see. And when I think about the trip, the trip that I went on to work with these folks, I met some amazing people, made some new connections. And I had another gig and, and they thought I was the greatest thing since sliced bread. And then I was reminded of the fourth Brahma Vihara, I mentioned uh, loving kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy. The fourth one is equanimity. And when we talk about equanimity, we have the, the eight worldly conditions. So I'll just mention two of them, praise and blame. But I don't care who you, who you are, you're not going to be everybody's cup of tea. They're going to blame you one moment and then praise you the next and vice versa. And what's the, what's the whole point of it is to stay in your stay in your lane and stay in your center and say thank you, whether they, they praise you or curse you. And realize that you you do not have to react to it. You can still stay centered. That's why the heart has to be open even when it's being challenged and whatnot. And when we can do it, and if we can't do it, we don't have to blame ourselves. We just have to realize that there's, there's an opportunity there. So having said that, what I said about that, there were so many amazing things that came out of the trip. But once again, what is my tendency? My tendency is to focus on what's wrong, focus on what didn't go right, to focus on 
if there's 10 people, and, I, and this goes back 38 years ago, I gave a talk in a meeting, and t nine people thought it was amazing and helpful, and one person didn't. And who did I focus on? One person. How do you think I felt? Any ideas? I felt awful. I felt like I was a failure. <laughs> but then again, I'm going to become a perfectionist, so I kind of comes with the territory. But then when I reflect and look on it and reflect on it now, it's just like looking for what's right, focusing on catching people doing something right. So when I focus on the nine and realize that, you know, the Buddha got stoned, Jesus Christ got cru crucified, Gandhi, I can name him that. I'm, I'm in the right place. <laughs> You're not going to get 100%. And I don't know about you folks, but that was really hard for me to get. And it's, and it's challenging sometimes even now to feel that. And so how do I deal with it? By, by realizing that I gotta look at what's caused me suffering. What am I attached to? I have this idea that things should be this way and they're not. But if I can keep my consciousness at a high level or, or, or what we say, um, dwell in these high states of consciousness like love and kindness, compassion, appreciative joy, equanimity, realizing that doesn't matter. Today you're great. Tomorrow you'll be awful. You just got to stay in your lane and just realize that you're, you got Christ consciousness, Buddha nature, and you're whole, perfect, and complete. You don't know it. You don't know it. So we need to, need to deal with that. So this is what these practices can do for us, can help us to cultivate that. And so just reading these, these articles is telling me all of these different ways that I'm already doing it. But here's the interesting thing. You all are doing it too. But if you don't recognize it and, and don't honor it, it doesn't exist. Just think about what I just said. Nine people thought it was clapping, standing up. <laughs> and I had the same thing in prison. I was teaching uh, the same lesson to two different groups. One group stood up and they were clapping and they thought it was the greatest thing since sliced bread. The other group was looking at it like, okay, when's this stiff going to get off? Same, same presentation. And so that's when I got my first, first lesson in praise and blame. I said, okay, George, you just got to do the best you can do, and you don't, you, you don't control the results. That's what I do with my elite performance. It's the same thing. If you talk to the media, say thank you. If they curse you or bless you, say thank you. Don't believe it. Don't believe the hype. Just do what you have to do and focus on being the best version of yourself. So that's what we have to do. So what are some of the practices we can engage in that allow the heart to stay open and allow us to be concentrated and to be in a high state of, or, or in a high state of consciousness where we're having more peace, more joy? Because I don't know when it was, but Several years back, I, I said to myself, I don't know if you guys know who Krishnamurti is, but one of his famous sayings was, peace now and never. And I co-opted that, and I say, joy now and never. So when I give a presentation or something happens, they say, George, how'd it go? I had fun. It was great. So I'm, in, I'm a learner. I'm pursuing excellence and wisdom with grace and ease. So the joy of discovery is amazing. It's amazing. And so when I think about reflecting on 38 years on this path, I'm more excited and enthusiastic about life than I've ever been. And I got all kinds of issues I'm dealing with. I had 
people around me close to die, all of that stuff. And why is, why is that? How did that happen? And I realized that I have this energizing enthusiasm. So how does enthusiasm develop? It's learning and achievement. That's this practice of seeking wisdom. This practice of vipassana. Just seeking to understand how this mind-body process works and how we suffer. If we know how we suffer, then we know how we can end the suffering. And that's what this is about. It's like, yeah, I'm going through this, but this is pretty freaking big. It's a, it's a core thing. And at the same time, my heart is opening up. And so it's this idea that you can, you know, it's like sweet sorrow. You can have suffering and peace in the same place. Victor Frankl was in a concentration camp. He said that when you find meaning in suffering, it ceases to be suffering. So that's what I'm doing, trying to look at this. How can I look at this in a way where I'm learning the life lesson and I'm not going into the survival mode? I'm staying in love. Staying in love. I'm saying, yeah, what they did was not appropriate and I don't like it and they're going to have to earn my trust back. But at the same time, I don't have to make them wrong. I don't have to hate them. I have to figure out a way to say, just like me, they want to be happy. That's one of my compassion practices. Everybody wants to be happy. Nobody is doing something to say, let's see how miserable I can make myself. I don't think we're doing that. And so this idea of mudita or or appreciative joy or joy in general, enjoying everything we do, being fully, because that's the secret of performance that I found. It's not what you're doing. It's who you're being when you're doing what you're doing. What's the attitude? And so when we're able to... um, be in a moment, be fully deployed, and not worrying about the results, but just being in the moment and enjoying the moment, then that's the sweet spot. Because if, I, if you think about it right now, in this moment right now, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong. But I want to go beyond, oh, there's nothing wrong. I want to go to, it's amazing. <laughs> I want to go to, this is awesome. Being able to sit here and, you know, we got air conditioning. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was wondering about that one because in the old days we didn't have air conditioning. Yeah. And I came and said, oh, we got air conditioning. There's some people here. I didn't know who was going to be here. And you're all here. I'm so amazed. I'm so excited about you being here. And I'm grateful that you're here. And I'm grateful because me being here, we live in a network of, of relationships. And that's why it's really important to to engage in love and kindness and compassion and appreciative joy, which I don't think we talk about enough and we don't do it enough because we're so good at pathology. We're not very good at looking at what's right and actually encouraging it and catching people doing something right, especially ourselves. And so I don't know if I want to say much more to that. I said, you know, we know what it is and why it's important. Maybe I didn't say that enough. There's a lot of benefits between, besides having peace and being loving and compassionate. So it's interesting because the the appreciative joy allows us to be, to have more loving kindness and more compassion and more equanimity. That's pretty good. Is it good? Are those things you, you all are interested in? I know I am, especially after what I was going, going through or always going through and it's funny because 
I can see myself. I can see myself going, to, um, going, having doubt, having the hindrances coming up. The doubt comes in there. You know, did I say something? Did I do something wrong? And we have to be able to be aware of that. But one of the things about awareness, uh, awareness and and um, insight working together, that in this practice we can we can look for jealousy and envy, or when we're not celebrating when someone else is has a good turn. It talks about that first step is awareness of the times when we feel jealousy about someone else's good fortune. Awareness is the first step. Be aware of it. Okay, there's jealousy there. What's up here? So that's a call to go inside and say, okay, the jealousy is here. What's up with that? And then really see that and then realize that's, a, that's an opportunity to practice appreciative joy. Sympathetic joy. They're saying, okay, that person got what they got because they put it in the work. And I, I read this somewhere. I think it was Maxwell Maltz. He said that you can never compliment someone, someone enough about their effort. Not about, oh, you're a great person, you're a great yogi or anything like that. No, you, that was an amazing effort you made. That's how you got, you reap what you sow. And so it's making that sustained effort. We know that's when things come through. It's a sustained effort. And so when someone does it, we can recognize it in them, then we can recognize it in ourselves. But I would say that one of the biggest benefits of appreciative joy is getting beyond this illusion of separateness and realize that we are all connected. And I love that because for me, it's really challenging for me to do something for me but when I can serve others, I'm also serving myself. Because whatever I give comes back to me. You, you all understand that? And so, so these, this is really simple. Just simplify it. It's appreciative joy. Just really getting the heart to be able to love everything. You know, especially with people uh, or, or folks that are, we're challenged with. And then even with some of our friends sometimes, I would imagine, I know it's been my experience, that if we celebrate their happiness and we might say, okay, they're happy, they're doing well, I'm going to lose them. They're going to go somewhere else. I'm not going to be able to have friendship with them. Do you all ever think like that? Have those thoughts? And so when we do that, then we got to check that, okay, what's up with that? And are we willing to be, as Brene Brown talks about, power and vulnerability are we able to be vulnerable and say if I love and I appreciate her and if she goes away then so be it I don't have any control over that I can't because we know suffering comes from attachment comes from greed and hatred or what I would call being in uh, survival mode because you can't be in survival mode and growth mode at the same time so this is about how do we notice we're in survival mode and get into growth mode because when you're in growth mode when you're in love it's easy to do these. It's easier to be kind. It's easier to be loving. It's easier to be understanding. That's what we call right view. So if you can have the right view, if the mind is right, everything else is right. And so this is one, not one, another one of those practices where you can do it all day long. I've been doing it all day long, just looking at people. May they be happy, you know. Uh, may they be, be peaceful. But also this idea of 
why don't I focus on what's right about them or see them as, as masterpieces? Seeing them with this amazing potential that's unlimited. But if I could see them and start to see what's right about them instead of focusing on what they didn't do or catching them, uh, you know, seeing, us, seeing myself, and I think Sharon talks about this in Loving Kindness, the critic, you know, being judgmental or just talking, tearing somebody down. And so, so to me, it's, it's, been, it's been amazing. I've had a great day. I always have a great day, but today was interesting because I, I had this practice that I was practicing and I will continue to practice. And one of my practices anyway is to sit and just let love flow through me. It's from an Edgar Casey um, teaching. He talks about attunement and application. Edgar Casey is this sleeping prophet that was one of the one uh, was one of the most amazing psychics. Uh, you know, coming back to the early 1900s or whatever. But he said, he said attunement and application. So he says the most important thing we can do is to establish a spiritual ideal. Say love. That's my spiritual ideal. So then when I meditate, I, I feel love going through me. And you know through these practices, if you can visualize somebody we love, something that, that, that triggers that or, or helps that feeling of love manifest. Once it manifests, then we let it flow through our body. And then as, as I'm meditating and, let's say, uh, one of the, a person that I'm challenged with shows up. They come into my mind. Then I try to um, send them love, try to forgive them, or just tolerate them. Just say, okay, just like me, they're a human being. They want to be happy. They just don't know how to. And then what happens is, so that's the attunement. So you actually align yourself with love, with that divine quality. And then when you go out, you, you, you are to apply it. So you be loving or be tolerant. So go out, oh, good morning, how you doing? And it's interesting because after going through all of this stuff, I had to go to CVS and pick up some, some meds. And the people in there say, hey, George, how are you doing? I haven't seen you in two weeks. Well, I was in California. And, and I realized, wow, yeah, I'm loved. But what I'm getting is what I give them. How you doing today? What's going on? I, you know, I engage with them. I don't see them as somebody who's serving me, but I relate to them as... As, as if they're masterpieces, as if they matter. And they can't do enough for me. Same thing when I stay in the hotels. I travel a lot. Just a little kind smile and just being open, just being able to see them and, and to think just like me, they want to be happy. Just like me, they suffer. And so I reflected on that. I said, wow, you know, then I could see, you know, that's from, you know, that's, that's what this, you know, appreciative joy, to take joy in my own uh, ability to connect with people and to, and to love people, to be in that application of love, and it comes back to me, and then, that, then I'm able to take more and more of it in. So I can tell you, I still have a lot of work to do in this area, but it's exciting. I'm, I'm excited about it, and I want to share that with you and I don't think I want to talk much more than what I've said, but you know, this is one of the things that I did on the fly. Usually I just speak off the cuff and I have an idea, but today I want to keep it simple 
and I'll be sure to share uh, these articles uh, that I, it was just three of them that I took off the internet. And let me just go through and see if there's anything. Okay, so once again, when we talk about what are we looking for, it says envy, resentment, greed, jealousy are common negative feelings that one can experience when someone else is successful or happy. One may even feel some pleasure and satisfaction when someone else is experiencing some failure or unhappiness. So there's a lot we can do. And here's another phrase that we could, we could say. Not, not only just when we're meditating, but just walking around and just being with ourselves. I am happy for your happiness. May your happiness grow and continue. So if you're watching TV, you might be watching a game show or you might be watching a sporting event. You have an opportunity to do that. Or there's somebody, you see somebody, something's happening. Or just myself. I don't know about you folks, but Titnan Han has been one of my major sources of my practice. And one of the things he said that I keep repeating is this idea of the non-toothache. So what, is, what does that mean? That means that you don't really appreciate the non-toothache until you get a toothache. <laughs> and I have to tell you, when I took the, I had to take, well, I, when I took the vaccines, I took the two vaccines and two boosters. And I have to tell you that I went through, it was really challenging. Let me just say, I went through hell. It was, it was tough. You know you're in trouble when Saturday morning I got vaccinated every time on Friday. Saturday morning, I'm laying in bed and everything's hurt, and I want to throw up and, and and go to you know, it wants to come out both ends at once, and and I'm looking over the clock and I'm hoping it says three o'clock, and it's only eight thirty in the morning. <laughs> you know that's a that's a long day, and it's like oh man, and when I finished and got out of that man, just to be able to walk around without feeling like I had to throw up, man, I, that was a bless. I was so happy. I was so happy. So that's the non-toothache I'm talking about. You start to appreciate it. And now, and even with this situation, usually when I give presentations, when people say they liked it, they really mean it, and, and they speak to me, and they're authentic, and, and that sort of thing. And I realized that, wow, George, that, that really doesn't happen much to you. You should celebrate those other times when, when you just have, you're able to have a conversation and not have anybody attacking you or... Or, or, or challenging you in a way where it's disrespectful or, or maybe they get to the point where all of a sudden, you know, you're not there. And I've had that many times being in jobs and whatnot. And what I also realized is they're doing me a favor because we're not in the same vibration. And I, why would I want to be where I don't want to, people don't want me to be. And so everything can, you know, if something happens, we get to interpret what it means. This is what... Uh, Seligman, uh, what's his name, Marty? Seligman, the, the interpretive styles, he says, how we interpret things, positively and negatively. I use this concept that we're either in survival mode or growth mode, and when we're in survival mode, there's no space between stimulus and response, and we're just reacting. When we're in love mode, we create space between stimulus and response, and in that space, as Viktor Frankl says, we have the freedom and power to choose. So why not choose life? Why not choose love? Why not choose to see it as an opportunity 
for growth, why not see it as a, a roadblock transform into a stepping stone? So I'll end the lecture with that because I think it's probably a good time to end, but I appreciate you all staying and, uh, you know, and, and being here and engaging and creating a listening. And I know it's not traditionally said here, but I love you all. <laughs> you know, I see you all have Buddha nature. I see that Buddha, that Christ consciousness, that Kuan Yin, that divine spark, that masterpiece. That that's what we talk about, taking refuge in the Buddha. We have that ability to transform and to be a Buddha or whatever you want to call it, divine spark. So thank you. That's my story, and I'm th sticking to it. <laughs> so, <laughs> Blessings. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.